Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's as loud. I think that was. I think that was a good test yeah. there. Yeah, the ban- don't worry, the banjo is legendarily quiet. So yeah, yeah, I'll be fine. Now, if we move Dan, actually, so it's in the middle. Yep. Yeah. The banjo will pick up. There we go. Marvellous. From the yeah. centre as well as just the right. Sure thing. Sure Wonderful. Thing. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just put the banjo a bit nearer because it's uh, <laughs> a bit far away at the minute. For a podcast that hasn't got any planning in it, we've, uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're really focusing on, in on the proximity of the microphone. This is the sound of myself, David Eagle, and Dan Walsh having some preliminary conversations, setting up the microphones, ready for our live podcast from the Young'uns Suffolk Singing Weekend. Every year we run a few weekends with singing workshops and quizzes and games and walks, and often the Young'uns podcast on the Sunday morning. And by that point, everyone's fully indoctrinated. There'll be things that I say in this podcast that aren't even funny, remotely funny, but everyone will laugh because, you know, it's kind of a cult experience. So if you're thinking, well, what the heck's going on here? I've taken out all of the in-jokes. You know, obviously I haven't left in any of the rituals or ceremonies or anything like that that we do. I think this is going to be a great podcast. I've been waiting to release this for quite a while. Actually, I haven't been waiting to release it. I've just been procrastinating and not getting around to releasing it. We've got loads of stuff to release on the Youngest Podcast. I've got stuff from April 2016 from our live gigs that I still haven't released yet. So we will get round to it and I'm hoping that this is going to be a weekly or at least every couple of weeks thing and we'll just keep running until we've run out of stuff and by which point hopefully we'll have got more stuff. So am I basically tentatively saying I think that this is a new series for the Youngins podcast? I think that's where I'm going with this. Dan Walsh has been on the Young'uns podcast before from our Folk East Festival podcast in 2017. We've still got the 2018 Folk East podcast to release, which we will do in some point in 2019. As I say, we're far behind with everything. But that was with a variety of other people. This is just Dan Walsh. So we get to get a little personal with Dan Walsh. And we do. We make him cry about half an hour in. And we cause him to question some of his deeply held values and lifestyle choices. But I'm just going to give you a little pre of Dan Walsh and then we'll get straight into the podcast. This is a little bit of a blurb taken from Dan's biog on his website, so he's probably written it himself. British, Irish and American folk music delivered with a healthy dose of funky grooves. All performed with his unique and dazzling take on Clawhammer-style banjo, helping to challenge all preconceptions about the instrument. That's what you get when you listen to the Youngest Podcast. People who listen to the Youngest Podcast before will go, well, we, we, we always have our preconceptions challenged when we listen to the Youngest Podcast. Get used to it if you're going to be a regular listener. So Dan is the perfect guest for the Youngest Podcast. Add to all that poignant songs, astonishing musical departures and live humour. He's not the kind of guy who pre-records his humour. It's always live. I can't stand it. You know when you go see gigs, the performer plays, and then he'll just walk off stage and play a pre-recorded bit of humour and then walk back on. No, not a fan of it. It's live humour all the way for Dan Walsh, and we're going to get a lot of that on the podcast. That was one of the things with Dan. I mentioned that we hadn't done any planning for this podcast, and the reason for that was because I knew the kind of person that Dan is, you can just give him an idea, give him a challenge, give him anything, musically or comedically, and he'll just run with it. He's performed in the UK, the USA, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, India, and throughout Europe, both solo and as part of the award-winning Urban Folk Quartet, as well as guest appearances on stage with Imelda May, Joss Stone, and The Levelers. An eclectic musician has stunned all audiences all over the world. So wherever in the world you are right now, prepare to be stunned as we present music and chat and a whole variety of spontaneously devised features. It's the Young'uns Podcast, live from our Suffolk Singing Weekend with Dan Walsh. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, well, it's the Sunday, perfect Sunday morning alarm call for you all, uh, the, to get you all going, banjo, uh, with Dan Walsh. Now, Dan, the banjo, you've alluded to this before, the butt of... Many jokes. 
One or two, yes. And I'm wondering if, because you must, you must find them rather annoying, rather irksome. No, I love them. But I'm wondering if you, in your time collecting banjo jokes, obviously, and I'm talking about inadvertently and voluntarily collecting banjo jokes, if you have a favourite banjo joke. And I should have really warned you that I was going to do this. But, but I, really, I didn't even warn myself. Yeah, uh, that doesn't come as a surprise. Now, if you can't yeah. think of one, you'll just have to make one up on the spot, Dad. Yes. Okay. Now, I do, I regrettably do know many, yes. Uh, probably my favourite, inverted commas, is uh, what's the difference between a banjo and an onion? Ooh, 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 hang on, there we go. It's never been a banjo. It's rubbish, really, there's no okay. punchline. Uh, oh. No, I'm joking, no. Uh, <laughs> the, punchline, the punchline is... I know, so I've got it. Something about a banjo makes you cry. You're on the right lines, yes. Oh, so okay. no, no one cries when you chop a banjo up. Well, let's put that to the test right now. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to have a little chat to Dan Walsh about the banjo. Oh, he sort of alluded to his origin story, I suppose, as people call it, um, earlier uh, yesterday. I mean, I know many of you were drunk, so you may not be able to remember it, so we may touch a little bit on that. Uh, also, Dan, I was wondering, and something else I've not warned you about as well, but I wondered if you had maybe some banjo facts, perhaps, interesting banjo facts that you could pepper throughout the podcast. Um, I will do my best. So you have a little think about that as you go. And Good to all... know. <laughs> And uh, also, uh, I've just thought of a little challenge as well uh, for Dan. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, so it's, the onus is very much on Dan here. <laughs> Me just thinking of things, we'll do that. But before we do that, something that you definitely can do, Dan, without any issue whatsoever, is to give us uh, maybe a little tune or a song or, or something to start us off. Of course. What, what, what have we got in mind? We'll play you, uh, this is a, a tune called Late Night Drive. It's just a short little bluegrassy thing. Do you know where you heard it first and where you got it from? 
Yeah, I wrote that actually. Uh, oh, okay. You yeah. <laughs> 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 like, like doing your research. <laughs> Michael, 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 he didn't say the name of the song. Of the tune. How am I meant to know it? The one that goes down. Oh, of course. That narrows it down, doesn't it? Sorry, how does it go? We don't even need the banjo. Look at this. Reminds me of that podcast with Bob Fox, Davey, where you introduced him as one of the North East's greatest songwriters, and he said, David, I've never written a song in my life. I asked him if he'd written a song, that's what I said. I asked him if he'd written a song. It should be more embarrassing if he was a songwriter, but I wouldn't have known he'd written a song. And you can go back and listen to the evidence for yourself. Well, maybe, exactly. uh, maybe you exaggerate ever so slightly there. There we go. We'll play the clip in now for the podcast listeners. We can play it in slow motion, like an action replay type thing. I think we can hear that again. Uh, but anyway, Dan, so uh, you wrote it, what inspired it? Good that you let these little arguments slide. It's great. We'll be bitching about you later on as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Consider yourself part of the group. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah. I'm very honest. Um, what inspired that one? I, I, do you know, actually, I did actually write that during a late night drive, hence the name. So I, what, I, you were writing it as you were driving? Basically. I mean, not, not writing it down. Um, oh, okay. I, I was sort of, my attention was elsewhere. Di- it was dictating um, it to Siri. Hey, Siri. In actual fact, that's scarily near the truth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I have been known on trains uh, in my time, so if a tune pops into my head, uh, I've been known to go into the bit between carriages. What do they call that? The, the vestibule. vestibule. Oh, yes. It sounds very popular. Great words. I'd like to be a great name, maybe the vestibule rag. It could be one yeah. <laughs> but I went. But I've been known to go into there and ring, ring myself, which is a deeply sad experience, really. But I ring myself and, and sing it to my voicemail, um, which yeah. is absolutely fine, of course, until somebody emerges from the toilets or something. And <laughs> yeah, some yeah. strange man is going... Like, do, do the banjo impression again, it's great. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you ever break a string, you just, like, phone me up. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. It's always in a disaster. I was, I was wondering where you were going with that, to be honest. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You ever break a string, don't worry, use this. Thank you, sir. Well, and of course, the other problem is uh, if you accidentally ring somebody else while you're doing that. <laughs> so they just get this message. Dang, no, 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 it's just, yeah. I'll stand yeah. again. Yeah. Stand so again. That's, that's been known as well, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, what about the names of the songs? I'm intrigued by names of tunes, how people yeah. come up with the names. Because what I've noticed is, we went to see Lau, brilliant, obviously, brilliant group, and they did this big, long anecdote. And then said, oh, yes, we wrote a tune about it. And the tune was about 50 minutes. And I thought, there's no way you wrote a tune about this. Because it means nothing, the tune. There's no semblance to it. It's just a way of shoehorning an anecdote. Um, so, yeah, basically. Yeah, that's the lot. I mean, actually, Late Night Drive is untypical in that it genuinely was kind of, as I say, I was driving at the time. And it was kind of, because it's quite frenetic and I was driving mm. a, a little faster. Well, it did sound a little fast after see you exceeded the speed limit. I was getting a bit worried. Yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 Three points on the licence here. Uh, it's, not careful. it's not happened yet, fortunately. But, uh, but most tunes, yes, you're absolutely right. You just kind of shoehorn an anecdote in. I mean, I've got another tune um, called The the Wrong Sample, which, which concerns... <laughs> right, 
Concerns a story a friend of mine told me where uh, he, he went for medical treatment. He was meant to give a sample of one thing, gave one of another, and that's as far into that as I will go. But, that, but sometimes, uh, basically, he just told me that story, so I thought that would make for a great tune title and a great mm. little story. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's a load of nonsense that tunes are genuinely inspired by anything, really. They're just sort of, I don't know, really. You know, just write them, and they're, they're inspired by musical things. But, yes, yeah. rarely is the name particularly relevant. You just need a name, really. Oh, I'd love to hear uh, a tune of yours inspired by musicals. I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> this one's by, by cats. Yeah. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, wonderful. Okay, it's time now, ladies and gentlemen. I know you've been waiting for it. Uh, we'd like to do a little jingle for the feature, uh, uh, Dan. A uh, little flourish. It's time for... Time for... I didn't take my cue there. Sorry. It's time... It's time... After the word for. It's all right. Yeah, sorry, yeah. It's time for... You just want me to make some Just make it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go on, go on. Right. You can edit all this out. Yeah, right. <laughs> great, great. Time for. <laughs> Dan Walsh's. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Dan Walsh's banjo fact. Okay. Oh, we've moved on. Oh, yeah. There you go. Right, okay. Leave that one in your voicemail. There you go. <laughs> Right. Okay. So, Dan, first banjo fact maybe for us. A little fact about the banjo. You can't tune them. No. Uh, I, uh, a fun fact about the banjo. So, uh, most people assume that the banjo is American in origin, but it is actually not. It is an African instrument by origin. Oh, wonderful. Ooh. And gentlemen, that was our very first... Fact of the day. Oh. <laughs> There we go. We could call it maybe Walsh's What's What. Uh, it's all sorts of different names. We'll think of a name by the time we finish this podcast in 25 minutes or so. We've, we've sort of touched upon it before, but um, why, why the banjo, Dan? Why the banjo? I've asked myself the same question many times. Um, well, basically, I, I heard the banjo in, in kind of traditional Irish stuff because uh, my dad's from Liverpool, um, therefore... Island, um, and um, basically, I heard the banjo in that and just fancied it and uh, and took it up. But I ended up playing clawhammer style, which is kind of this uh, traditionally is quite a rhythmic kind of hard driving style used in Appalachian-y kind of stuff, and not heavily used. So the instrument I'd actually heard, I now know, was a tenor banjo, which has four strings, not five, and is played with a plectrum and tuned like a mandolin, and it's a completely different instrument. Basically, I've ended up kind of I was at an American banjo uh, thing last year, and someone said to me, you know, why do you play jigs and reels in clawhammer? style and I was sort of yes it's a very deliberate experiment yes, oh, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I'm turning into you there I thought I was finding you more attractive by the minute yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm afraid you'll have to leave us me and Dan and one banjo he's got his coat hammering yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely <laughs> He's plucking at you, kid. <laughs> this is growing more upsetting by the second year. Yeah. Um, but, um, but anyway, it, it was all a complete accident, really. So I've ended up with this slightly strange hybrid of banjo styles, but it's all, yeah. it was all a bit of a hopefully happy accident, really. And so you were doing some really interesting thing there. You were talking about the rhythmic element and you were doing, a, doing the last song, you were, like, you were doing a very percussive mm. element. How long into your 
training? How long into learning the banjo where you're doing things like that then? So yes, the percussive, I, I basically hit the banjo a lot. Um, yeah. Many people yeah. have the same urge actually. <laughs> um, but basically, um, I remember it was, I was at university, uh, so I was about 19 or something, so I guess I've been playing for about six years, and there was a song called Hammer and Nail, which we actually did in the pub oh, yeah, last night. Yeah. And that, originally that was kind of a country sort of rock song with just heavy electric guitar, but I kind of hit upon this riff, basically. So I kind of, basically normally with, uh, without wanting to get too geeky about it, uh, with, with, banjo, with claw hammer banjo, basically on the downstroke, you would normally hit a string, but sometimes to syncopate you deliberately miss the string, so instead of this, you might do this. And I hit upon the idea of in that little gap, just hitting the banjo. And the funky percussive claw hammery thing was born, basically. Oh, how, easy, how easy is it to play? Oh, it's really could you, easy. Could you yeah. teach? <laughs> <laughs> Well, bear in mind it's only we've only got twenty minutes of this left, and you're now asking Dan to teach me the banjo. Oh, could you teach Dave a very simple riff? Oh, good heavens! I, I probably he's, he's kind of talented. Isn't well, we could give it a go. I mean, I do I feel this could take a needless length of time. But, uh, <laughs> okay, Dan. I mean. I warn you, this is going to sound slightly innuendo-ish, but my banjo is awfully heavy. Oh, um, okay. just so <laughs> right, here we go then. So uh, we'll do a little description of what's going on now. This is, bear in mind, this is would Michael's you, idea. Would you like the strap on? No, so no strap on. <laughs> <laughs> Sure if I, so is there anything you would teach a beginner at my status here? I say my status, I don't mean that. Any man who you're talking about. <laughs> um, so, make, if you make your right hand like a claw, you can probably okay. see where I'm going with this. Your right hand. Right. Sorry, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a complex instrument. So yeah, and you're basically going to play with the back of your middle fingernail. Uh, and in a kind of downstroke motion. That's the chap. Yes, good. He's tuned into a chord. Easy. I know. I know. I know. You've, you've rumbled me, David. Oh. Um, that's it. And then, as you do your downstroke, if your thumb lands on the fifth string, which is the one nearest to you, so uh, that's the idea. Oh. And then flick, flick that fifth string with your ah. thumb. That's the chap. There we go. Yeah. Okay. So one of the one of the main. Um, Things that claw hammer players do a lot is, is something that the Americans, in their infinite wisdom, call the bum titty strum. Oh. <laughs> okay. No, really. Uh, which is basically where you play a single note, just mm -hmm. pick whichever one. That's Good the one. choice. And yeah. then and then do your your chord and thumb thing. So you get so, bum titty bum titty. So be chord titty. Oh no, I see what you mean. So it's a. That's the idea. That's it. <laughs> Phil and I just go bum titty bum titty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what Shaggy would do if he was playing yeah. it. Oh, go call me Mr. Bombastic. Get the roll. 
Can you do me a favour and just sing the last note of Bombastic again? Just the very last word. Mm, wrong. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Romantic. We'll do it later on, my friend. Sounds good to me. <laughs> so uh, we, we pick on an instrument that I uh, can't play. Maybe we should head to an instrument that we can play, Matt Michael. And maybe we could do the aforementioned um, hammer and nail perhaps together. Oh, that'd be nice. Sounds good. Jam Sounds good. So should we do we go to the accordion there, Michael? You can have the. We've got the piano. Uh, you can. Clap, clap your hands, Mr. Kearney. I'm going to a little song. So where did this song um, come from then? Um, um, huh? So it's, it's by a guy called Paul Thorne. So Paul Thorne was a professional boxer and in his one live televised fight he was completely uh, destroyed by a guy called Roberto Duran. And so then he became a professional singer because that's a great deal more stable as a career. Um, but uh, basically there's, there's a verse about uh, a very bad boss, a verse about a very bad girlfriend and a verse about being beaten by Roberto Duran. So it's another cheerful number from uh, the repertoire. But um, the little tagline is I'd rather be a hammer than a nail, which of course fans of Paul Simon may recognise. So yeah, we're in, we're in A. Um, the chorus starts on an E, just so you know. Oh, well there we go. Yeah. Well, well done, Michael. I'll try. <laughs> I'll try. Any I'll, techniques that you'd like to show down on the piano? <laughs> when we get to the chorus, I'll give you like a really sort of subtle secret signal, something like chorus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here we go. She went out on me 
and gentlemen, it's time for... <laughs> Dan Walsh's... What's... What's... Walsh's... Walsh's... What's... Walsh's on the Walsh's... Walsh's on the Walsh's. That's another feature where we're taking to a theme park. Walsh's What's What? Uh, hello, yeah, Walsh's What? Yeah, exactly. There we go. Walsh's on the Walsh's. Yeah, da, 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 da. Uh, something you really look forward to at some point, ladies and gentlemen. A feature that very much has its ups and downs. Michael, join us. Oh. Join us there. Oh, so is that your impression of being on a roller coaster as well? Oh. <laughs> there we are. The feature that makes you sick to your stomach. Okay. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> you do realise you're speaking out loud at this moment. <laughs> 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 I, thought it was, I thought it was you, Dan. Uh, okay, Dan, so Banjo Fact uh, oh, oh God, yes. number two, of course. Not about a number two, we've had enough about samples. Indeed, yes, <laughs> quite. <laughs> yes, um, Banjo Fact number two is that now strings are generally made of steel. Uh, occasionally a nylon, but in the past they would have been made of animal gut. Oh, excellent. Well, not Exactly. A change for the better, I feel, that one. Yeah, yeah. and would you say that that is because of practicality and, and human, and sort of human rights, animal rights? You know, was the sound better, I mean, with Animal Gut, or was it more of a... Yeah, how did it sound with Animal Gut? Have you heard an Animal Gut banjo? Yeah, yeah, the, the old Sigurd banjos. It, it, was, uh, it was kind of mellower and um, mm. a bit uh, warmer rather than the kind of bright, twangy sound one associates with the banjo now. Dan, uh, well, actually, I've got, I've got a little uh, challenge, which I don't know whether it'll, it'll work or not. Now, the question is, Dan, when you play the banjo, do you look at the instrument? Sometimes. As you did. Well, I was wondering, because we've, we've been, uh, we've got copies of our book with us. We've got copies of our book. And I was wondering, Mr. Cooney, yes. if you turned to a, a random page, I wonder if Dan could play the banjo and sing as if it's, as if he's never, as if he's never seen this before, but as if it's a, as if it's a song. Oh, yeah. And he, you have to introduce the song as well. So what, we'll just find a random page there. Yeah. Any random page. So what have we got? Rude Awakening from Down Under. Oh. That sounds... Kind of a rude awakening. Yeah. That sounds pertinent yeah. from what we've been talking in about. Bed so with yeah. a in bed with a drunken, gassy, oversensitive vegetarian Frenchman and an angry old meditator. Okay, well, what's, what you do in your hotel rooms is your right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just find a, a chapter there, and we're just going to see if you can do a little verse, and maybe even better if you could add a little refrain that we can all join in with <laughs> as part of the book. So it's just a, a little it's experiment there as part of the stuff. <laughs> what, are you going to rewrite the book? This is... Uh, <laughs> well, we're very much rewriting the book as we speak now, Dan. <laughs> we've thrown out the rule book here. I noticed. Okay, so what's this song called, Dan? It's uh, a song you've been singing for a while, I believe. <laughs> What about this one? You, well, you, well, it's yes. Dan's song. He this knows. Is, uh, yeah, what's it called, Dan? This is <laughs> this is a uh, a great little ditty called mm. "A Tale of Two Shitties." A tale of two. <laughs> okay, okay, Dan. So uh, if you just uh, launch us off. Right, I think an Appalachian number. All <laughs> oh, right, okay, we're going Appalachian. Bastardized Charles Dickens, which is something that should never be done. <laughs> On an empty stomach, it was the worst of gigs. The worst of gigs. <laughs> the great thing about performing with your friends is that even the most cringeworthy, unbearable moments can turn into the most enjoyable ones. <laughs> Tale of two shitties. Tale of two shitties. 
suggest you don't take a look. I don't <laughs> take a look. <laughs> Perfect advert for the uh, book, I think, there, Dan. <laughs> I do my best for you. <laughs> yes. You can transfer the commission shortly. That would be uh, I've got hey. a question, Dan. Oh, yeah. I'm just very interested in those Irish uh, was it tunes hmm. or Irish songs you have Because I remember hearing, you know, the similar, you were talking about holidays to Ireland and listening to mm. music and listening to jazz law in the car. And I've got vivid memories of driving around Adam with my parents and listening to music and... And one song, a really popular, well-known song, the um, When You Were Sweet 16. Yeah. And that's got this sort of mournful banjo mm. in it, hasn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Which has always sort of always sort of struck me. And I think as a kid, I probably didn't even know it was a banjo, but mm. it was just, oh, I was just stunning. Uh, was, was, was there a particular tune or a particular song or...? Yeah, I think, for me, the those kind of jigs and reels and those tunes just have such an irresistible sort of foot-tapping quality to them. And I think that whatever context they're done in, that... That is the case. So I think if you go to a pub in Ireland and you hear it there, it feels like a kind of authentic experience, I suppose, do, doing it that way. And obviously everybody's familiar with that sort of stuff. But I remember in Newcastle being in the, the pubs and having a lot of tune sessions um, with other folk degree people and we'd be playing ma mainly Scottish tunes, actually, because most half the degree was Scottish. But, but the, again, just that similar feel where people in that pub you probably wouldn't dream of listening to folk music, they, they think. Um, when confronted with it, again, just that, that irresistible foot-tapping urge is there. And even like with Urban Folk Quartet, which is the band I'm in, which we our backing is a lot less traditional, but the tunes still have that quality. That's what the, the band is anchored around. Are those tunes so was there a particular tune I don't know yes I suppose there was actually there was a little tune I'll give you a very quick um, demo of it it's a, a tune called the high reel which is a great old Irish tune um, and I heard it on a tape that my parents had and then I saw it live um, Barney McKenna God rest him uh, played it and uh, I heard Jerry O'Connor do it as well and that tune kind of made me want to play the banjo so I suppose yeah that's that's the one really um, so good that was it the way he played it there a bit like us and, um, uh, we've done we've done we've all done we've all done a, a variety of gigs you've got highlights of course the highlights yeah. are never as interesting but as this the, one's as, quite something i tell you exactly <laughs> the highlights are never as interesting as the lowlights i think it's safe to say mm. and i was wondering if there was a particular gig that springs to mind where it was either just ridiculous or, or surreal for the wrong reasons maybe <laughs> yeah, actually, I do have a surreal one, uh, mm. which is um, I was playing at a reenactment festival, um, <laughs> and during the day they had a folk music stage, as one does at reenactment festivals. Uh, so I was playing that, and that was all fine. And then we were done by three o'clock or something, and then I had a fair amount to, to drink, a <laughs> lot to drink. Uh, and then there was a soul band on in the evening, and I knew 
a couple of them, and during the interval of their gig, by which point I was considerably trousered, uh, they said, um, you should come up and play a song, song with us, <laughs> which I thought, oh, Christ, okay, right. So, I, so anyway, I got the band out and I jammed, uh, jammed along with them to Stevie Wonder. But the surreal aspect of it is that, of course, it was a reenactment festival. So if you can imagine being slightly drunk, playing Stevie Wonder on a banjo and looking out and seeing, you know, Napoleonic soldiers. <laughs> Roman dictators. <laughs> um, it was that, so that was quite surreal. Um, I remember also playing at a pub in, uh, in Glasgow when I was pretty young. I got the gig progressed this far. I just said, "Good evening, ladies and gentlemen," and uh, some guy just yelled out, "English bastard!" <laughs> um, and you went, "No, it's okay. I'm going to play the banjo for you. It'll all be fine." <laughs> If only I thought of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there you should have said, oh yes, I know that one, English bastard in the key of sharp, I believe. Yeah. A lovely appellation number. Yeah. Yeah. Some banjo players think they're being heckled when someone just shouts out, Bon Titty! <laughs> Maybe that's why, I think, because that's the thing, I think that's why you just call them these things, because of the insults that you get, because I noticed that you, you readily, um, you're in there with a little self-deprecating banjo joke and I think it's just maybe a self-defence mechanism to get in there before anybody else can. I think, yes, you're, yeah. you're, you're deeply analysing me psychologically here. Oh, yes. yeah, yes. that's what this is all about. You don't realise that this whole weekend these people are just stooges and the whole thing <laughs> has been an elaborate psychoanalytical trick. And what, the reason we did that thing with the book is because it's kind of like the power of suggestion, the words that you chose, the way that you did it, it says a lot about your, psych, your, your psychiatric what, the fact that I chose cities, you mean? Exactly, yeah. it says yeah. a lot about things there, Dan, so we will... Uh... Good to know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the, the other thing as well, we were talking about, um, Sean was saying about the, the different styles of banjo, and we were saying that you kind of, I suppose, stereotypically maybe expect the banjo to be that kind of foot tapping uh, thing. And then Sean was talking. Exactly. Yeah. And Sean was uh, saying about the, the mournful uh, style of banjo. Yeah. And you yesterday uh, played something which was uh, really interesting, and it all stemmed from the fact that you did some work. Uh, with some Indian musicians. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you would never, I wouldn't say, put the banjo and that kind of music together. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, and maybe for the podcast listeners as well. I don't know if it's possible to give us a little bit of a, a demonstration yeah. of that and talk about the process maybe a little bit. Sure, sure. Uh, I think, to be honest, when I took up the banjo, I had never heard of old-time or bluegrass music. I'd, mm. like, never heard of American folk music. I'd never heard of Deliverance. It was a happier time. Um, <laughs> so I'd never really sort of... Um, so I, unlike most people who take up the banjo, I didn't take it up with any particular kind of thing that I thought the banjo did. I suppose mm. Irish music was the one thing that I definitely did want to play, but equally I was just kind of, I'd like to take up another instrument. I was already playing guitar and I just fancied it. So it never occurred to me not to use the banjo on lots of things. I think people seemed to think it was a very deliberate attempt to be clever and a very deliberate kind of, ooh, I'm going to do all this different stuff. But it actually wasn't really. It was only just that it was an instrument and I saw... And I've never really understood this thing of, you know, when people say, like, oh, an evening of banjo, like, you know, it's hardly the most... I mean, it's not a kazoo, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's You wouldn't have an evening. It'd be a weekend of kazoo, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've been playing some early clips of us and uh, the kazoo was my particular instrument of choice oh, right. at the time. That was, a, that was a poor choice on my part. That was a good choice. Oh, yeah. 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 Interestingly, psychologically, what that says about you that you chose the kazoo, though. Uh, but, anyway. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's got, you know, five strings and 22 frets. It's not the most limited. Oh, my kazoo didn't. No, yeah. no. <laughs> so I never, never really saw any reason not to. Um, so when I was uh, younger, I, was, I remember playing an Egyptian oud tune. 
which is in a similar well, that one, classic, yeah. That's not it, by the way. Sorry. Oh, right. Right. Uh, that's, oh, just about to say, when you're tuning, you get to say, "I'm not tuning. I'm playing an Egyptian ooze tune." <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Who's going to know? You're not my voice. Again, it was never. A, I, I just thought, why, why not? Why not play an Egyptian new tune? Mm. Uh, that's what every seventeen-year-old I knew was saying at the time. Um, but well, I, I used to do them on the kazoo, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that a kazooed tune. I, 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 <laughs> kazoo, nice, nice. But I remember dis- I discovered that tune um, and liked it. So when I went to India, which is the bit mm. you're referring to, when uh, in 2013, I, I think probably. Having done that tune and a couple of other things that were vaguely sort of um, with those sort of modes and those sort of scales, I, I, knew, I knew that the banjo could sound all right doing that. The, the thing with the Indian stuff was um, I was jamming with this singer and just the, the, the way that he sang the words and with all the bends that Indian singers and instrumentalists tend to do, I realised that to kind of really try and tap into that sound, and when I was jamming some raga stuff with them later as well, to try and tap into that sound, I really had to get into the, the bending of the strings, because obviously this is a fretted instrument, so you generally either fret it or not, whereas with their instruments, the amount you press down yeah. affects the pitch of the note. So the only way for me to kind of recreate that was through, was through the bends. Um, and then the tune that I played last night... Um, I kind of wanted, as I say, to write something a little bit Indian, but I'm always very aware of cultural appropriation, I suppose. I didn't want to try and do... I didn't want to try and be authentically Indian, because obviously I'm not, and I haven't Mm. studied it in anything like the kind of depth you need to, I think, to carry that off. So I thought, well... What, what do I know how to do? I know how to play jigs and reels. So if I yeah. can kind of use that framework, but use an influence from a song that I played on out there, mm. that seemed to me something that I could potentially carry off. So I wrote uh, Whiplash Reel, which I played last night, and I've yeah. written, a, written a few tunes since in that kind of vein. And I continue to study Indian music because I love it and I think it's amazing. But as I say, I'm very wary of trying to pass myself off as, as knowing what I'm doing because I really, really don't. Yeah. Because uh, they all study it from such how, a young age. How did um, the uh, the Indian musicians that you work with teach you? Did you get over there and they saw your banjo and they went, English bastard? Or what, were, um, <laughs> what was the kind of the... I like that you resisted a temptation to do an Indian impression. I was there. We've had a whole weekend together. They know, surely they know by now I'm not racist. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm better at a Bangladeshi accent. Their attitude was really refreshing, actually, because I think um, they, they genuinely were really pleased that somebody not Indian wanted to play their kind of music or wanted mm. to enjoy their kind of music. And I remember the moment in the, in the gig that we did where I sang this thing in Hindi, and, and the, I mean, it must have been appalling Hindi, because I don't speak Hindi, do you know what I mean? Mm. But they, they, there was just this roar, I thought, God, I didn't expect to get that. You know, I, usually if I get any kind of roar from a crowd, it's for playing silly, fast banjo nonsense. I never sort of expected it to get it from singing a foreign language badly. But, yeah. but that's kind of what happened, because they, they just loved that we wanted to do it, and that was a really nice attitude. So I didn't, when I first went, I was really nervous about it, and I was, and India is quite intimidating when you haven't been, because it's like so frenetic and yeah. so yeah. crazy. But, but Indian people were just the most welcoming, lovely people, and I think once I got there, 
Um, and they kind of very much put my mind at ease that it was okay to have a go and potentially get it wrong. Mm. Uh, that was okay. Whereas to begin with, I was thinking, if you know, am I going to play something Indian and play it wrong, and they're going to, you know, chin me for it or whatever? And yeah. it was totally not like that at all. It was it was great, and um, I really enjoyed. Yeah, I really enjoyed the whole experience. I'm wondering great. if for the podcast listeners, because we've obviously heard something yesterday, but if you could give us a minute of I was just going to say, I'll give you a quick radio edit. Yeah. 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 Again, this is just tuning. This is <laughs> <laughs> I'm still laughing at Kazood. <laughs> at least someone is. Do you think we can hear that again? Reminds me actually, as if at the start when the when you go to the fast bit, that you're doing English country garden. Do you know that? It gets, <laughs> what's the first line of an English country garden? I got right, a minute. Hang on. <laughs> hang on. I meant Michael. What's firstly, it would help if one person we had a designated spokesman. I meant the words. I said to Michael, "What's the first word?" And Michael's duh, 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 duh. <laughs> another minute too, Michael. I want about the words. What's the words? How many flowers? How many times sweet flowers grown? And it does sound like that if you do the little start again. It sounds like that, doesn't it? How many flowers? <laughs> <laughs> it does, then. Clear that bit. It's a dead ringer, I tell you. In an English country garden. Yeah, yeah. In an English country We, we got there in of the all end. the things I expected you to say, that was not <laughs> <laughs> You know, now I think about it, that Ood tune, it sounded a lot like uh, Black Lace, didn't it? I got <laughs> 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 uh, Or maybe, uh, I think it was one of the, the, the Indian things that sounded like Black Lace, uh, Ragadu. Um, hey! <laughs> Oh, wonderful. How many for time, my girl? Going so <laughs> <laughs> towards the end, so we've still, uh, we'll, we'll maybe end with a, a little uh, tune. Uh, but before we do that, of course, I uh, know you're all thinking, uh, what time is it? It's time for... I've changed <laughs> tuning now. <laughs> We're doing uh, All right, then. It's time for uh, Dan Walsh's Indian Banjo Fight of the Week. It's time for Dan Walsh's What's Walsh, Walsh's What's What's Dan Banjo Fight of the Week. Yeah. It's catchy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Dan. Oh, yeah, facts. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, uh, tenor banjo was the dominant uh, accompanying instrument in the jazz scene. 
um, and indeed still is in the trad jazz scene, but basically is far less common because it was rather usurped by the electric guitar, so the volume of the banjo was no longer needed. Oh, lovely fact. There, that was, of course, I, am, I don't know what she's Thank you for the fact. sympathetic R. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really sorry. It must, have been, yes. it must have been a terrible moment when that happened, when the electric guitar usurped the banjo there. Uh, indeed, indeed. Oh, dear. Yeah. So, I uh, don't really remember. I was, it was a long time ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But your people still talk well, about it. Well, we still time. try. <laughs> 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 it still troubles us. Such a down here, kid. Let me tell you, those electric guitarists who usurped us. Fine banjo, please. Sorry, where, where were they That's from? That's my Pakistani <laughs> accent. Uh, we did it in the end. Uh, <laughs> oh, wonderful. Have you, ever, have you ever met Steve Martin? Because he's like quite a well-known sort of oh, yeah. Yeah. player. Yeah. He's actually yeah, the comedian he's, filmmaker he's, Steve Martin. Yes, yeah. yeah. so uh, not met him. No, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a good, but he's a really good banjo player. Actually, he's a, he's a very sort of quite traditional three-finger style right. um, player. But yes, he is. He's a very good player. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously he already had quite a name, so he's yeah, sort of yeah. made the banjo yeah more more known, which is good. I was talking to someone about this yesterday. Because mm. when I first started playing pubs, when I was about 16 or something, you know, you'd get the banjo out of the case and, you know, the inevitable, basically it was, yeah, are you going to play George Formby? Well, no, because it's the wrong instrument. Uh, but then you'd also... Um, You'd also get, you've got a bleeper on your edit, sorry. Yeah, so, yeah. You've edited yourself, uh, I was yeah. very impressed. Um, so you get, you've got that aura, of course, it would be. So you get both of those. Um, and then since the, the Mumford and Sons thing happened, I mean, wh whether you kind of like their music or not, just, just the thing of having a genuinely popular and cool band with a banjo in it just mm. made such a massive difference to my life. For one thing, the average age of my students went down by about 50 years. Um, and, um, and yes, the banjo was suddenly just faintly cool. We're going back now. Uh, but at the time, it was sort of, yeah, that, that was a good boost for the... Good boost exactly. for the instrument. Yes. That, that, really, that, that really rankled people within the electric uh, jazz guitar community. <laughs> exactly, as well. yes, yeah. They, they thought they'd won. They thought they'd won. Yeah. And then yeah. Mumford and his sons got involved. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mumford and his sons. And his sons. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, well, I have no idea about. I'm, I'm, I don't really know much, too much about uh, Mumford and Sons. To the mm. point that we were, we were asked. It's interesting that you said it brought new people to your music. We got something from from the Towersy Festival, and it was all about uh, could we write something for the program about how Mumford and Sons has essentially saved folk music and therefore us as a band because people had come and we you are remarkably similar. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I thought, well, I can't really. Uh, you know, I can't really say that, but then someone wanted to ring me up and do an interview. And they said, oh, well, can you just, like, say something? So I did. And I knew so little that all the way through the interview while I was talking about it, I said, well, I suppose if Saul had an indirect effect, I kept calling him the Mumford Sons. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Like, oh, yeah, the Mumford Sons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're great. And he was like, it made, it made it sound like I wasn't a fan of the main Mumford himself, the Mumford man. <laughs> So you do realise there's another one. What, have you seen the Mumford Band, the Mumford Band, the yeah. Mumford Band? I don't know. <laughs> so, you know I, 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 sorry, I just got that. No, it's all right. right. I only got it while I was saying it. Yeah, yeah, I, was, yeah. um, I, I, I very, A very quick story about Mumford Sons, actually, is I, one of the most surreal jobs I ever did was I, they were um, doing a test video footage for a new computer game, which was essentially uh, like Guitar Hero, but a band version. Oh, and for this video footage, they wanted... Um, people to play the part of 
various musicians. So, so I was asked to play the part of the banjo player in Mumford & Sons, which was a very surreal experience. So I didn't actually have to play, I just had to stand with the banjo and look like I was playing. And, but the important thing for them was that I moved like the man from Mumford & Sons. Move like and, a Mumford? Quite. And he, and he has a tendency to... Um, Move his hips a lot and sort of. I mean, it's good for the podcast. But 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 the the hilarious thing about this was, ahead of doing the job, I had a Skype meeting with the people who were running it from the games company, and they asked me to um, demonstrate <laughs> this movement. And this would have been fine, but the the it was a a, a couple of uh, women who were doing. <laughs> interview with me and while I was demonstrating my gyrate hip banjo stuff um, my girlfriend came into the room <laughs> so, so my girlfriend came into the room while I was essentially gyrating against a webcam to two other women <laughs> Which, like some weird uh, erotic yeah. Mumford cam quite, yeah. quite and the fact that the banjo was involved just made it all the worse <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, that's wonderful. Anyway, I love that. That's, that's quite, a story you won't forget, won't it? That's, Sorry, yeah. That is quite a niche thing, sort of <laughs> Mumford banjo related porn. <laughs> Whatever works for you, man. No, exactly. Oh, wonderful. So, shall we, uh, shall we play out with um, a little song, a tune? Um, uh, Dan, anything that uh, you, you've got for us just to say goodbye? And if you feel like swinging your hips, feel free. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we could uh, we, we should do that, yes. Thank you very much, John Wall. Jack Crawford was a Sunderland man, he worked on Bogey King. Up and down where Valley grew the Cannon blast, and there became the hero nailed his colours to the mast, nailed his colours to the mast, nailed his colours to the mast, and there became the hero nailed his colours to the mast. Jack sailed aboard the venerable, the flagship of the fleet, and they sailed unto the channel for Hollanders to meet. Down and the shots flew thick and fast, and that's where Jack Crawford nailed his colours to the mast. Nailed his colours to the mast. Nailed his colours to the mast. And that's where Jack Crawford nailed his colours to the mast. Six times the flag was shot away as the chain shot flew like hail. As the mast fell down the deck and the fleet began to fail, Jack Crawford he picked up the flag and mumbled to the last. Nailed his colours to the mast. Nailed his colours to the mast. Nailed his colours to the mast. He climbed the top of the main and nailed his colours to the Heard that day as the English hard fought back. The 
Touch my tone asunder and the cry went up for Jack I'm a Duncan, he stepped up to him Sing me one the day at last For Jack Crawford was a hero Nailed his colours to the mast Nailed his colours to the mast Nailed his colours to the mast To the last, raise a cheer for Bray Jack Crawford and mail his colours to the mask. Mail his colours to the mask and mail his colours to the mask. Raise a cheer for Bray Jack Crawford and mail his colours to the mask. So if you go to Sunderland, leave the streets and leave the crowd. See that statue of him standing there so proud. When you're down in Mowbray Park, pause as you go past and remember Bray Jack Crawford. If you managed to make that look all very spontaneous there, the bit with the book, no one will never know you, you, you spent ages working on that. Uh, the banjo facts, of course, meticulously rehearsed. So well done for making it seem spontaneous and as if we didn't know what we were doing. That was. <laughs> you contributed. You record No, I think I did, although something did, although something did fall off the table halfway through. Yeah. But the brilliant thing there about Dan, your yeah. phone fell off the table. He picked it up whilst... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what was even more impressive is he had a tune in his mind as well as he was doing it, so he was dictating a tune into my phone. <laughs> so he was going... Nang, 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 nang. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately yeah, he didn't resonate. I had on the predictive uh, te text setting, so it just says, uh, hot dang lamb, uh, ma'am, uh, pram. So uh, you haven't really got much from there, Dan. <laughs> hot dang dang lang pram. Uh, okay, here's a tongue twister for you. Thank you very much, Dan. Goodbye. Thank you very much to Dan Walsh for rising to the occasion with such brilliance, seemingly unfazed by everything that we threw at him. I mean, I think he checked himself into a clinic afterwards, but yeah, it was only a couple of weeks, and he's, he's released an album since then, so he's, he's fine now. His new album has just come out. It's called Trio. I think it might be dedicated to the young'uns, actually, Michael. Sean and, and myself. He was so inspired by his experience with the Young'uns podcast that he, he did an entire album dedicated to us. Seven of the tracks are about me. Uh, there's two tracks about Sean. There is a track about Michael, but it's a it's just one of those secret tracks. There's a kind of ten minute pause before he gets to that. He just sort of I think he just put that in as a bit of a talking gesture, really. But that's Dan Walsh's new album. We'll be back hopefully next week. If not, then it'll definitely be the week after. It'll be less than two weeks because we've got loads of guests to get through that have already been 
recorded and loads of clips from gigs. So we've got loads of stuff to get through. So we'll be back in under two weeks with the next Young'uns podcast. But till then, thank you very much for listening. Feel free to do the usual things that podcasters ask for. If you're on Apple Podcasts or whatever, you can leave a review, five-star review. That's what, that's what podcasters always seem to talk about. So you can do that if you want, but feel free not to. Just do what you want to do. Live how you want to live. Vote how you want to vote. <laughs> Tactically or otherwise. And if you want to listen to my podcast, then you feel free. I've got a podcast that also suffers from procrastination and not getting around to doing stuff. That's the David Eagle podcast. Search for that on the usual platforms. It's the ideal podcast because it's me without Sean or Michael dragging me down. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'll be back next week. Bye-bye.